0: The following podcast contains potentially massive spoilers for the movie referenced in the episode title. If you have not yet seen this movie and wish to be surprised when you do, consider yourself warned and turn back now. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Schlock Till You Drop. I believe this will get qualified as a special edition. Um, we're going to do something. You know, uh, It's been a little while when you hear this since it's happened, but for us, it's only been a couple of weeks. Um, you may or may not be aware of the lawsuit that uh, Victor Miller brought against Sean S. Cunningham, who was the producer of the first Friday the 13th movie. Um, Cunningham argued that Miller, basically, what happened is Victor Miller was trying to terminate his copyright on Friday the 13th. And Cunningham was arguing that he was only a hired gun and an employee of Crystal Lake Entertainment. Mm. Uh, and so he didn't have the copyright claim. Well, a judge has ruled in favor of Victor Miller. The end result of this is that the future of the franchise, as far as more movies or things like that, is kind of up in the air. Uh, I'm sure that Miller and Cunningham will work out a deal so they they can continue to make these movies because, let's be real, they'd be silly not to do
1: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is almost the same argument that uh, Bill Finger had with DC comic books and Batman um, and also um, the guys that created Superman, uh, Spiegel and Schuster also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, you know, my own take on this, congrats to Victor Miller. Um, yeah, I he just mean, wants to get paid, man. Yeah, and he was a writer, and writers barely get paid as it is, right. especially in, in movies. He deserves it um, because, let's face it, if he hadn't written that script, we wouldn't have some of the biggest icons in horror. So, in light of that decision, we... Uh, what we're going to do today is actually have a discussion about Friday the 13th and the franchise kind of as a whole. We'll kind of go movie by movie and then we'll kind of devolve into some other uh, aspects of it and some of the commonalities of the story and things like that. No. And hold on. All right, had to take a quick pause while a dog came home and. Made sure everyone was herded into their proper places. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise and and kind of where it's been, where it's gone, and where could it go in the future. Um, but we're going to start it out right at the beginning: the first Friday the Thirteenth back nineteen eighty. Yeah, seventy nine,
2: yeah.
0: no eighty. 80. It was 1980.
2: I think it's nineteen eighty. Oh, horror expert, you should know this. You have the, you literally have oh, all we, the, the poster
0: yeah. is literally hanging yeah, right yeah. there oh, behind hey, us.
1: Right
0: behind me. We, we're actually doing we're doing this without any prep, so yeah, we're uh, yeah. yeah. Kind of I, I sprung on. this on them, uh, pretty much right before we hit record. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's at the bottom. It's nineteen eighty. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, 1980 for the first one.
1: NCMLXXX.
0: And, and the interesting thing is that the movie was created as an unabashed ripoff of Halloween. Right. Even down to the budget, I think, was 550000 Now, there was a lot more spent on marketing after Paramount picked it up. But the movie itself was only made for $550,000. And, I mean, let's look at what has developed. You know, let's imagine... What, if Friday the 13th had never come out, what would the horror landscape look like? I mean, this was Tom Savini's big breakout. Right. You know, this set the the formula
1: for every slasher movie. Oh, right. Since. I mean, the have sex, get killed. I mean, the immortal stalker. Yeah. Um. Now, granted, this isn't this isn't part one. Part one is the have sex get killed thing, but the Immortal Stalker doesn't show up until part, part two. two. Um, but you know the teenagers being the target. Granted, Halloween did a little of that, but not really. Well, Halloween not made not, not the teenagers specifically the target, yeah.
0: but
2: it was more of a I think Halloween was, also that, did that, the troubles uh, of killing the teenagers when they have sex too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't. Well, I don't as,
1: think it established the trope, though. No, I think that Friday the 13th really brought that trope to life. Well,
2: I mean, if Halloween was first, then technically it did establish the trope. And, well, right, but the, Friday I, the 13th just kinda, 13th a trope got is not a trope based on one
0: appearance of something. Right. It, it, it is a consistent thing over time. And Friday the 13th has consistently given the unintentional morality play of if you have sex, if you do drugs, if you party too hard, you're
2: going to get killed. I want to say Halloween did the same thing, but I'm I'm excluding Halloween 2, because that was or Halloween three, three because that yeah. was the mask one,
1: which we we need to do sometime. We, we will, yeah. It's so um, so good.
2: <laughs> if you take up the concept that it's Halloween, and yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. fine movie. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, yeah, and Halloween two, yeah, some people are having sex and he kills them. I believe in two. I don't remember in four. Because I mean Halloween.
1: Well, yeah, but when you think of these it things, you, to blur. when you think <laughs> of these things, you don't go Michael Myers. No, no, you, you go Jason Voorhees.
2: Yeah, or
0: in this case, since we're on the first movie, right. yeah, Pamela Voorhees. Yeah, Pamela yeah, which, and it's also it, it does set that up though, because what is the entire reason that Pamela Voorhees goes on her killing spree? Because the teenagers were having sex and Our let kid, Jason drown.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, drown. and that first just really establishes you know the target of all these killings from then on out. Oh yeah. Um even though I guess it's more Jason kind of getting revenge for himself and for his mother. Yeah. going forward. And then you know, it devolves into the the way that all slash movies eventually do. Yeah. Enough, yeah. You, you get your humor and then you get Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's one thing you have to give the Friday franchise for. It covers that gamut. You have the serious entries. You have the humorous entries. You have the the cheesy entries. You have a little bit of everything.
1: You go to hell. You go to outer space. Exactly. Um, you, you go, go to a Manhattan. Little, <laughs> yeah,
0: you've got a little bit of everything in this movie, or in this franchise. But yeah, the the first Friday movie, and it establishes things that we see from then on out. The innocent virginal girl that survives. Right. Which, to be fair, and Adrienne King herself has said... Alice wasn't exactly virginal, but in comparison to everyone else at Camp Crystal Lake, <laughs> <laughs> certainly she was, she was just very thoughtful and, mm-hmm. and she would have, she wanted to not jump into things, but she was willing to party. I mean, there is a scene where she you see her smoking a joint too, but she's not, that's not her only purpose for being there. In fact, she doesn't really want to be there, but she's, Trying to give it a shot, you get the indication that maybe her and Steve Christie had something going on before right. the movie. And... It's,
1: it's very strange also that, I mean, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of injects religion into it about the fourth movie or so mm-hmm. as kind of an undertone. But there's never any of that really in the Friday the 13th movies. But, you know, they, they kind of elevate uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant values as kind of the thing to not get you killed. Yeah, this and, is very true. That's very odd because you don't, you don't really, you know, you can't splash holy water on Jason or the, right. or the sign of the cross, and that sort of thing. It's a very curious uh, kind of morality that they took.
0: In fact, the only time I can think of that they even touch on occultism in relation to Jason is part six, Tommy buys some occult books. Right. To try to figure out how to deal with Jason, and then maybe a little bit with Seven and facing off against the psychic. A little, but that's that's more but uh, supernatural, yeah. which has definitely always been there. But yeah, as far as actual pure occultism, the only time we ever see it is is that one. Oh yeah, but by, by the time that
1: six, six and Seven come out, that's kind of the flavor of the month with the movies and mm. horror movies during that time.
0: This is very true, and, so, and the aesthetic changes. I mean. It, the first Friday the 13th is definitely made with a late seventies aesthetic. Absolutely. Um, and not, I mean, the dress and the, you know, the hairstyle and the, the way they speak and things like that. Of course, all the things that automatically date it, but even just the, there's that little error of rebelliousness, but at the same time, yeah, it's showing that the unintentional morality play, right? right? Like we we're saying that, you know, if these, Kids had been doing what they were supposed to be doing. None of this would have been happening. And, yeah, so it it definitely does set a tone that the rest of the series follows almost unconsciously.
1: Yeah, Jason is almost that boogeyman that your mom warns you about. It's like, you know, eat your 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 vegetables, vegetables, say your prayers, or, you know... Or Jason's Jason going to get, get you, you, yeah. Jason
2: will pop up behind you and stab you through a bed?
1: It's, it's quite literal in, in this sense. Um, so I've always found that very interesting that, you know, even though there's no, like, religious overtones, right? Mm-hmm. The societal norms that you are prescribed to follow in these movies tend to be uh, Christian-based in, or yeah. Judeo-Christian. you know. So it's almost, uh, almost a slice of Americana from the 70s, 80s, you know? Oh,
0: very much so. You know, I mean, a... as the series progresses into the eighties and the age of excess, you start to see that reflected as well mm-hmm. in the, in the tonality of the the movies. And, you know, but the, this first one really at the time it came out, it was something, yeah, it ripped off Halloween and Sean S Cunningham and Victor Miller, both are very open about the fact that they did it. The, the shock of Jason at the end, which for the record, they intended as a dream sequence, mm. When they wrote the first movie, Jason was dead. Hmm. Even with that scene at the end, Mm -hmm. that was a dream that Alice had. Jason was dead. They had no intention of anything. Of of, of something. Well, I mean, why would they? This was low-budget filmmaking. Right. And, uh, you know, it. I totally went off the rails there. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I tend to do that. Yep. But, I mean, it's very much uh, something different. At the same time, you know, the the scare sequence ripped off Carrie. The movie itself rips off Halloween. But at the same time, it became something unto itself. And it really ushered in the slasher era. Absolutely. It was not the first slasher movie because you had Texas Chainsaw and you had Halloween. Mm -hmm. But it definitely is the movie that has ushered in the slasher era.
1: Yeah. I mean, in Nightmare on Elm Street, same year. 84. 84. Okay. So really? four years later. Yeah.
0: Okay. Nightmare on Elm Street was 1984.
1: Wait, wow. If you have asked me like a test, yeah, I would have swore it was 90, 1980. Yeah, but yeah, it, Johnny okay. Depp's in it. He's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, and the funny thing is, the precursor to Friday the 13th was uh, Last House on the Left. Right. Sean right. S. Cunningham yeah, yeah, produced yeah, yeah. and Wes Craven. Craven directed. Absolutely. Uh, so there's where the. They, they both kind of had that same thought process going through. So. And, of course, the movie did well. I mean, it was made on nothing, so it didn't really have to make a lot of money to do well. Uh, And, therefore, Paramount said, hey, we want another one. Enter the franchise start. Friday the 13th, Part 2. Which I actually really enjoy. Uh, The first movie...
2: Part 2 was the sack, right? Right, yeah. It was the potato sack. We We
1: don't get iconic until Part 3. Okay. Yeah.
2: But,
0: you know, part two, you get Jason in the potato sack. Um, the only thing that I don't like about part two, really, is the very beginning. I understand both the business reason why Alice gets killed off at the very beginning. And I kind of understand why Jason would have hunted her down and killed her.
2: Because,
0: mm. I mean, this is the woman that killed his mother. right? But you show her as a tough woman in the first movie you show her as a survivor in the first movie and you're telling me she didn't see jason at any point in her house before he jabs the ice pick in her head
2: here's the question when did the second one come out 81 what damn really only okay yeah when did halloween 2 part 2 come out 81
0: or 82 i don't remember yeah you
2: got me on that one so i mean Maybe they were trying to get away from the Jamie Lee Curtis character. Well, the business
0: reason is her agent wanted too much money.
2: Uh, Okay. Never (laughs) mind.
0: Yeah. She was originally going to be in it a little more, Mm. but because of that, she ended up shooting for one evening. Mm. And it's sad because I really liked Alice as a character. Right. But at the same time, it does introduce possibly the most popular heroine of the franchise with the... Jenny Fields, played by Amy Steele, Hmm. who not only used her toughness but actually used smarts and psychology, and actually was the first to look at Jason as a person and not just a relentless killing machine.
2: Oh, right. She was the one that started imitating his mom at the end. At the end, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I remember. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then when they're in the bar, she mentions, you know, you have to think about this. What would it? Do if, as a child, you were thought dead mm-hmm. and left out in the woods and then you see your mother get her head cut off, what would that do to a person? What would that do to them as they're developing and, right.
1: and that that's actually a, a theme that keeps coming up over and over through these through the better you know better uh, entries of this yeah. movie is that this guy has the mind of like an eight year old you know if, the, that, if yeah. that yeah you know just a, it's, it's a young hurting child. Just in a man's body.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much. And feral because, mm-hmm. you know, it, he was supposed to have died in the late 50s. Right, And yeah. the first movie takes place in 1979. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got 20 some odd years. This guy would have been living out in the woods on his own. Right. Doing whatever he had to do to survive. He's gonna go feral. He's gonna go territorial. And he's gonna see that these people coming to Crystal Lake are invading his territory.
1: Yeah, and you kinda of have to stretch your uh your your incredulity, uh, tamp down your incredulity because mm. you know, that certainly is unlikely to have happened. Oh, absolutely. But uh but it works, you know. Uh they make it work. Certainly. Um and the
0: interesting it, thing is it also helps out of all the slasher killers, you know, Freddy and Michael and Jason, Jason is the one audiences have the most sympathy for. Oh Right. Because he was the outcast.
1: Well, they turned Freddy into child molester. So they did. That It's hard to have a sympathy for that guy. <laughs> it
0: is. But I'm saying, and Michael has always been nothing more than a force of nature. Right. Yeah. But with Jason, he started as the outcast. And what are most horror fans at some point in their lives. They are right. an outcast, you know? And so that here they're seeing this and seeing him lashing out and they're thinking to themselves, well, God yeah, probably do the same thing and they can identify with it. And I think that is what's made Jason into the cultural icon that he is, is the fact that here's a killer you can have sympathy for. I mean, in later chapters of the franchise, the crowd's cheering when he's killing people.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: They're rooting for the killer, not the the counselors.
1: We also, like most of the uh, slashers from the 80s, right, from the slasher era, mm-hmm. has one of the most iconic looks. Of- he does.
0: And that iconic look appears in, as you said, part three, courtesy of Shelley, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: who I find it quite amusing Uh. Larry Zerner gets killed by Jason, has his hockey mask stolen, and now he practices entertainment law. <laughs> I, that, that just amuses me. So, <laughs> and still loves that character and still loves the franchise and is happy to talk about it any chance he gets. Um, he tried to keep the hockey mask; they wouldn't let him. Oh, he did get to keep the little hatchet gag from earlier in the movie, where he shows oh. up and he's got the hatchet in his yeah, head yeah, and yeah. fake blood and he. he the first time he faked his death, uh, they did let him keep that. Hmm. Uh, not that he has quite the same head of hair he did back in <laughs> 1982. but And this movie, too, was the first majorly successful of the, the 3D relaunch right. in the 80s. Um, oh, right.
2: This was Jason 3D. 3D yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that
0: and of course looking at it now it, it's exceptionally hokey and you can you know because you're seeing these things that are being angled into the camera lens purposefully be, but at the time you got to think what that would have looked like in 3D and okay i i can forgive the cinematography on this one a little bit
1: you you almost have to to get to the movie yeah but otherwise it's a great drinking game just oh, yeah, kind of pointing yeah. them out as you go
0: well, and I think there was a DVD re-release that had the 3D glasses and everything in it. And, oh yeah, and it uh, was I'm in, pretty sure in hmm. a primitive 3D. Um, now that the technology's there, I would love to see a Blu-ray release of it.
1: Yeah, right. And
0: in, in 3D with the modern 3D technology, kind of revamped and and redigitized. Oh,
1: that's it, it. Probably co- it's probably cost prohibitive. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That,
0: so. And well, and at this point, with things up in the air about the franchise, right? right. I mean, the box set, for example. I went online out of curiosity because I remember seeing it for like thirty bucks. So I went online. I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna go ahead and pick this up on Blu-ray." Uh, no longer available. Cheapest one I could find was 125 dollars.
1: Oh.
2: Christmas? Nope.
0: <laughs> yeah, it has yeah. now gone out of print in light of this decision. So, Allow me some Jason. Hey, you
1: know, another thing, and just speaking of just cost in general, uh-huh. uh, that I think that made Jason Voorhees so popular is that. Uh, and I know it sounds hokey, but I think there's something to this. It's so cheap to be him for Halloween.
0: Oh, yeah. He has become one of the most easily imitable yeah. horror icons.
1: Because Freddy, you've got to get the claw.
0: Yeah, right. With Freddy, you need the, the claw, but it's not just the claw, it's the burned face, it's right. the fedora, it's mm-hmm. the sweater. With Jason, you put on a pair of coveralls, grab a machete, and stick a hockey mask on. You're, you're done. Jason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're Jason. Maybe voice. a little eye black too, so you can't see
2: the eyes I think through was the. Jason once when I was like thirteen. I've done it a
1: couple of times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I have too. I mean, I think because it was just a cheap. When you're poor, you're not yeah. poor. It's a cheap yeah. Halloween costume. You know. Yeah. the
0: uh, The only other one that might be cheaper would be Michael Myers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you, you have to do something to that. Ma- you need to get the mask to look that way. But yeah. Uh, because it's a Shatner mask. Yeah, it was right, William yeah. Shatner.
0: William Shatner face. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, he is an easily imitable
1: mm-hmm. icon. I
0: mean, it, what are you going to do to go as Pinhead? Right. I mean, good God, I would love to go as Pinhead, but I, I, the investment that would take yeah, he he got six hours to sit in a chair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, that would quickly lose its fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I didn't mean, know it would. not. I, I would love to be covered in prosthetics for something. But <laughs> that's, I'm weird that way. Uh, Lombardo, you listening? Uh, if you need a, if you need a guinea pig for something, I will, I will happily take the latex and spirit gum and whatever else you need to throw on there.
2: Phrasing?
1: <laughs> oh, we're not doing phrasing anymore.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we didn't tell you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we go, you know, the franchise has been moving along and it gets to three and then they finally decide that they're going to end it. And so they do the final, uh, the final chapter. Right. They do, uh which introduces another iconic character to the franchise with Tommy Jarvis.
2: Yeah, I was like, this where Tommy comes and plays. Yeah, played right?
0: in yeah. the played in part four by Corey Feldman, <laughs> Uh who has gone on record and said he would happily reprise the role anytime you name it. He'll do it. He'll drop whatever else he's got going on to do it.
1: Well, he needs to work.
0: <laughs> he actually has a pretty good stream of work right now, mainly just. Hawking documentaries on Friday the thirteenth. So uh, he is still making a living thanks to Tommy Jarvis. But I mean, I, I'll reference something on part four again here in a minute. But there were some pretty decent actors in this one. I mean, you even had Crispin Glover, right, mm-hmm. make a role here. I mean, they really amp up the sex. And well, the Feldman drugs. and
1: Glover were both two of the biggest, you know, iconic teen actors yeah. in the eighties. I mean, yeah, and. Into the 90s with Glover, right? Didn't Back to the Future stretch to the 90s? Mm-hmm. But he didn't come back for the later ones. Yeah, he did? He came he did? Back all okay. Three of
0: them. Yeah, he was He was in all of them. All the actors were in all three of them? Uh, no.
1: Uh, Elizabeth, she replaced uh, Oh, yeah. No, yeah, 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 the, yeah, 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 yeah. Marty's
0: girlfriend. The other thing interesting about Part 4, it is the first time that the series actually tried to show some form of continuity. Because the Hunter that Tommy and his sister run into is looking for Jason or is not looking for Jason. He's looking for his sister, Sandra from From part part two, two. Um, which is if you look at the timeline, it's really weird because we know time has passed between one and two. I think they said it was like two months. Uh, Yes. The time that's passed between part one and part two, part two going into part three, there are news reports about the slaughter at Camp Crystal Lake or at the the counselor training center mm-hmm. on the TV at the beginning of part 3.
1: Yeah, it's almost it almost has to be like,
0: immediate. It's like yeah. the next day. Mm-hmm. Part 4 picks up with the body being taken from the barn from the end of part 3 and right. taken to the morgue. So, it's technically Sunday the 15th for part 4. Right. And but it's trying to keep a continuity. I think that's a, a, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you look this through, part three took place on Saturday Mm -hmm. and part four took place on Sunday, effectively. Right. But there's still Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know. But I give it credit because for a low-budget thing that they never expected to do anything, it's cool to see they were
1: trying to come up with a continuity. You'd have a kind of a through line to connect all the stories together. And and to do callbacks because uh, you know, they know in the real world it's been a, a year or so between each of these films, and you want to you know, right. to, to reward the people who've who shown up.
0: Yeah, uh, and final chapter was eighty four. Yeah, I want to say final chapter was eighty four. So it came out the same year Nightmare on Elm Street
2: did. You no, know, you own these movies. You can just go grab them, right?
1: Yeah, but okay. that's, they're all the way in there. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're in a different room, man. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, that's
0: too much work. That's, I have to stand up, and I have to walk, and okay, I, know you know, I have to bend over, and you know, I, I just ain't got that in me anymore.
1: <laughs> and we'll lose the spontaneous nature of the podcast. Uh, true. <laughs> or, or the Joe is really trying to remember these movies nature of the podcast. <laughs> it's like, man, I haven't seen these in 25 years. Right. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to get to
2: one of those Sp- Nightmare on the Street oh.
1: Wrong Jesus. franchise. Right,
2: the 13th. <laughs> movies that, that makes I've me think of the
0: meme movies. that's been floating around on the internet right now where it's got the, the girl wearing a hockey mask and it's like one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And then somebody puts on their three, four, that's Jason, you whore. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, I'm just
2: waiting for us to get to uh, Friday the Thirteenth. But I
0: believe, if I remember correctly, Part Four they also brought back Tom Savini. It was the first Friday he had done other than the first one, um, because he actually didn't want to do Jason for Part Two. They asked him, but he thought it was silly. He's like, "No, Jason's dead. What do you mean? I'm I'm not doing makeup for a no." And he went on and did something else. But for Mm -hmm. four, they approached him with the idea of, "Look, you created this character. Why don't you kill him?" And Savini went, okay, I'm good with that. Hmm. And the funny thing is, if you look at it, everything about it shows that the intent was he was dead. Hmm. That was it. It was done. Even down to when Frank Mancuso Jr. got the pressure from the studio that they wanted another one. He's like, well, we killed Jason. How do we do this? And we end up with a new beginning.
1: Right.
2: That's five. Five is the one where the the broad and the corpse that lightning strikes and he wakes up. No, and that. that's not five. That's six. Five is the Jasonless movie. I, obviously, I don't remember five. Please yeah,
1: explain. there's a reason. This is how. This is uh, this is Halloween three.
2: Okay.
0: Oh. The story of
2: Friday the Thirteenth:
0: yeah, A New Beginning. Tommy Jarvis is in a halfway house after coming out of the mental institution. Still
2: played by Corey Feldman. No. Oh.
0: Okay. Um he does have a scene at the beginning, but as he puts it, he was stuck doing this hor- this horrible movie called Goonies. He's joking <laughs> when he says that. Right. <clears throat> but he ended up in Goonies, so the shooting schedule wasn't going to match cuz you're going to tell Spielberg no.
2: I mean,
1: yeah. What what's he actually made that was any good?
2: Uh, he did something.
1: I uh, can't I can name a movie, right? Goonies, oh, Lost uh, Boys. <laughs>
2: Ready Player
1: One. Oh yes, but we're talking about Spielberg. Oh, I that, thought you were talking hack. about Feldman. No, no, no the hacks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: Ready Player One. That's the that's the yeah one yeah that's
1: that over. that was genius that actually. Was yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Only one that was in it. Oh yeah, yeah, only one. But uh,
0: <laughs> all right, so Tommy's in the halfway house, and he is haunted by visions of Jason.
2: They're kind of sit here and blow us up in the comments, like uh, yeah. he did. Do, do, like, we
0: know. <laughs> yeah yeah that was all. That's called sarcasm, kiddies. Um uh, <gasps> but uh
1: yeah yeah he did the toy story movies right
2: yes he did the toy story uh, so <laughs> yes.
0: we know who he is yeah so tommy's in the halfway house he's haunted by visions of jason um oh the one there's one fat kid in the halfway house that pisses off the the big burly asshole guy who ends up hacking him up with an axe and this, of course, is triggering Tommy's memories even worse. Triggered! He, he, <laughs> he very much triggered. so. <laughs> very much so. Okay. Um, and suddenly, people start ending up dead, and it's Jason's M.O. And you see the guy walking around. He's wearing the hockey mask, but it's got blue stripes instead of red, mm. which is your indication that it's not really Jason, because it's not. Apparently, the paramedic that responded to the kid getting hacked to shit was the father of the kid who got hacked to shit and snapped at seeing his son that way and went off killing people. and
2: oh. And again, another version where they tie it the family.
1: Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen this movie exactly one time.
2: I, I do not remember this movie.
1: I Are we going to talk about sorry. the series at all?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get
0: to it. that. Okay. We'll get to get that. There. We're going to get to it in order. All right. So, uh, So here's the fun part about part five. Okay. What do You want to know what it gets? Mem- what it's memorable for?
2: Obviously not Jason. <laughs> Obviously not Jason.
0: <laughs> it has more boobs than any other movie in the franchise.
2: We need to pop it in Power 5 right now.
0: We'll um, do
1: it when we do Halloween 3.
0: We run the same it
2: has before. a former Playboy bunny named
0: Debbie Sue Voorhees who does a topless scene with the most stupendous boobs ever seen in a Friday the 13th film.
2: Why are we not watching this movie? <laughs>
0: And that's pretty much what it's memorable for. So
2: for so for boobs, now, the for kills, boobs, the kills aren't even that good.
0: Uh, meh. meh, they're really? they're really they're not the best kills? of the. Yeah, they're not the, the best of the franchise.
2: Are like okay, of the franchises, is it like the lowest of the kills.
0: It's not the lowest, but it's.
2: I mean, part one. I mean, it was a it was bottom three. Yeah, okay. Bottom
0: three, but um,
2: highest because of tits. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, mem- it's not Jason eggs.
0: It's memorable so. because <laughs> of the tits best uh, we're, kills we're gonna, ever. We're, yeah, we're going to talk oh about God, Jason I X. Blow,
2: I will whoever directed that want to blow you cuz you are awesome, sir.
0: <laughs> uh, that would be the late Jim Isaacs.
2: Okay, that'll stop nothing. works <laughs> <laughs> nice. <Tiger> miracles. <laughs> <laughs> Even to the dead, I guess.
0: Um but uh the other thing, the reason why that was the case with part 5, the director made his career in softcore porn. Oh.
1: that's the, know, the pattern reemerges. There
0: it is. It it's does. Back
2: again. I, it, it's, it really is a thing. Where, to like, yeah, be
0: fair, it is a thing. Sean S. Cunningham also made a career before he did uh, Last House on the Left making softcore porn. Yeah, you
1: leave yeah, porn, you do horror. Last House on
2: the Left is not considered softcore porn. That's why I said that's before.
0: That's, that's why I said before. Before Literally. Last House on the yeah, Left, <laughs> before Last House on the Left, he did make movies that were considered marital aids. Oh, okay. It was that era, mm-hmm. early late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. They didn't have porn; they had marital aids. Oh, right, right. Um, anyway, so five was yeah. The fans were not happy.
2: Okay, I can see why. <laughs> so
0: they give Tom McLaughlin part six. Jason lives.
2: That's the lightning bolt one, right? Which is
0: yeah. the lightning bolt one, is. and is also upped the humor quotient, right? This considerably. Is, yeah, this is when
1: we start getting wacky, and uh,
2: they bring him back by stabbing him in the chest. Uh, the yeah, they park. Frankenstein him. Yeah, whoop, yeah. Whoop, whoop, Iron rod, and then lightning strikes, and he gets mm-hmm. up from that.
0: Yep,
1: and You're punches out and punches Horshack's heart right through his back. Right. Yeah, this is when Jason becomes this undead thing now. It very he...
0: much is. And interestingly, the only time you see him in that movie without his mask is that opening
1: scene. Right.
2: Out of curiosity, i pause. We'll put a pin on that real quick. Um, the first four movies, or no, actually, excluding the first one, because again, we have to always exclude the first one because it's mom. Mm-hmm. But the other three,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or five, uh, yeah, the other four, including we'll the five, did anyone ever try to fight back?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Tommy Jarvis hacks the living shit out of him.
2: I mean, excluding Tommy, because we know Tommy, what Tommy does. But did anyone ever fight?
0: To a a small degree, he got filled full of bullets that didn't stop him and uh, various things like that.
2: Okay.
1: If if Tommy only had the Dragon Zord, he would have been fine. (sighs) Yeah, right. Um,
0: Oh, and on another
1: thing, you know, there's a big Uh, thing. uh, Yeah, that's true. There was a big thing with the remake. There was a big
0: thing with the remake about, well, Jason runs. Jason doesn't run. Have you watched the first three movies yeah. that Jason is in? Well, he's human in the he first He runs one. in all three movies. Because
2: uh, they're so used to the, all the rest of them. They're, they're used, honestly, well, they're used to running.
0: the Kane Hodder performances right. yeah. from seven, eight, nine, 8, 9, and yeah, 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 yeah. Even and,
2: in the video game, he doesn't run. He walks fast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. does, he power walks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: but yeah, this is where we're moving into like... The Jason-everybody-kind-of-knows yeah. territory. Yes. Is, this is, the, is where we uh, get yeah. into
0: this territory now.
1: Yeah.
0: And C.J. Graham does a great job as Jason in Part 6. Okay. Absolutely. He's very imposing. Mm-hmm. And he's actually a super nice guy. I met him at Scares a couple of yeah. years ago. He's actually a super nice guy, but he looks very imposing, and, and he, he, he did well in the role. Um, and uh, But, yeah, the humor's up here. In fact, one thing that got noticed... Um, I did watch the Crystal Lake Memories not that long ago, so that the interviews and stuff were kind of fresh in my mind. Uh, Darcy DeMoss, who played Nikki in part six, uh, she was the one that was killed in the RV. Oh, okay. Um, during the sex scene, they realized, oh, heck, we have no nudity in this movie. So they asked her, "Like, oh, would you be willing to do this topless? And she was like, "Um, the contracts are kind of already signed, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. As a result, Part 6 is the only Friday the 13th that has zero boobs. Huh. There is no nudity in that one.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're
0: right. Yeah. yeah. So you get the trade-off of humor for nudity. Mm. Um, But it, it's fine. Every time they're in the ki- one kill where the American Express card floats across the <laughs> pond... <laughs> Everybody screams out, don't leave home without <laughs> it. <laughs> um and the things like the things like the, the gravekeeper looking at the looking at the camera and breaking the fourth wall. Some people got a weird idea entertainment. Well. and uh <laughs> dig him up, they think I'm a fart head cut to a bunch of kids screaming, Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, the humor's here, and it plays, and it works, but it's also got some pretty visceral kills in it. Okay. This is also one of the last movies before the MPAA started tearing them to shreds. Uh, right.
2: So this is considered a PG-13, maybe a PG movie. Oh, no, this is,
0: it is an R movie. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, but even back then it was story. Story yeah. R? Okay. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Back then it was rated R. Hmm. Um, it, starting with seven. John Carl Buechler, the first Kane Hodder.
2: Which one was seven?
0: seven? That was the psychics, the new blood.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and then
1: Kane Hodder is, of course, the iconic Jason Voorhees. He's, Very much. Yeah. The
0: way he performed the character with the heavy breathing yeah. and the menacing. Just, it,
1: again, Kane is another
0: super nice guy, mm-hmm. but he is super
1: imposing. Right. When you see him at a con, he's a rock star. He shows up, oh, and yeah. everybody wants to see Kane. I mean,
0: yeah. And like I said, he's a nice guy. He gave me shit the entire weekend to Scarce the Care. But I'm not going to argue.